This is Ingewikkeld Sessions, the podcast. Organized by Ingewikkeld, each month you'll get a live stream on YouTube and a podcast on the same topic. That topic is always related to software development in one way or another. If you don't want to miss a thing, subscribe to both our YouTube channel and podcast. Let's start. Welcome to the Ingewikkeld Sessions podcast, uh, a special podcast today because we're also releasing the video of this podcast due to technical issues with the live stream. Um, we're going to be talking about an interesting subject, which is starting a new gig. And I'm not doing that by myself uh, because I also have Jaap here. Hi, Jaap. Hello. Good evening. How are you uh, handling starting in a new gig? Well, first thing uh, for me to figure out is where should I actually start? Um, of course, um, your colleague team, uh, colleague developers uh, will uh, hand you over uh, some kind of access to a code base, um, but you can just cannot just start digging there, right? Or maybe you can, but um, you have to have some kind of issue or uh, problem to to get started. Um, and I think that's that's one of the main things I figure uh, I experience that I have to figure out where to start. Yeah, yeah, um, I I agree. I have a similar issue on a regular basis, uh, especially when the project is a customer that. Uh, can tell me there is something wrong, but we don't know what because the development team is is slow in delivering, so the development process isn't isn't as it should be, um, and also the product that gets delivered isn't what it should be either. Yeah. Um, but we don't know what the cause is. We don't know where the problem lies. Um, it might have to do something with this or that or this person or that piece of code, but we don't know for sure. And um, well, good luck. <laughs> basically, <laughs> that's basically the, the the that type of project is is interesting because then you really really have to dig in, and funny enough, figuring out where the problem is is usually not something that is found by digging in the code. No, it's mostly not a technical issue. Exactly, uh, it's it's mostly a communication issue between. Uh, Customers or customers and uh, departments, or between departments within the company. Yeah. Um, and also, when you're a small company, where I say departments, uh, please replace that by persons. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, and and even if it is a technical issue, uh, what I found is that uh, the easiest way to figure out where the problem is or where to start digging uh, is by talking to people. Not just the developers, but also managers and maybe even stakeholders inside the company. Uh, people that don't know anything about the code, but they will be able to at least give some clues as to why they think things are not working yep. like they're supposed yep. to be working. And then you have another problem. Which persons should you talk to? Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, one of my uh, the, the one of the customers that I recently started at, um, they when I started the day I started they had this uh, this wiki page this confluence page ready for me with a whole checklist of things to do when you just get started oh wow uh, it was like a full onboarding document uh, which had things like you have to arrange this you have to arrange that and uh, for security you have to install this software and uh, but also 
have a meeting with this person and with this person and with this person and with this person because these are the people that you will be working with a lot. These are the okay. people that you'll be communicating with a lot. Uh, so you need to get to know them. Mm. Uh, so it was a whole checklist that from top to bottom, I could just run through it. And uh, I I already uh, immediately was was basically part of the, of the team, of the company, because I knew these people. I knew the products. I'd installed the, 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 the code base, the application, yeah. had everything up and running. And by the end of the checklist, I was basically ready to go. Yeah, but you're now talking about a company that's uh, selling a, uh, a product, yeah. right? Um, and when you're in a team that it's um, just a supportive um, uh, team to other departments, for for example, they are automating things or um, the, the software they are um, providing to their customers is not their main product, but there, uh, there, there's a service they are delivering and the, the software is just part of that service mm-hmm. is much harder because you will have to get n- uh, to know what kind of service is this, um, who are our customers, and um, from a development p- perspective, you have to figure out who your who is, uh, your customer is. Yeah. That might not be a customer outside the company, and that's also an interesting thing um, I experienced, is that it's not always clear for a development team who are the customers uh, using our software? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely something that's uh, especially in if, if you're building internal tooling instead of external software. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a challenge that you run into at some point. Um, and uh, well, again, I think talking to people will give you a, a very clear idea of what is this company like. What are they doing? Yeah. Who should I talk to? Where is the problem? Um, and 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 who, who is my customer? Is my customer an internal customer? Is my yeah. customer an external customer? Um, and getting an introduction, like a, a real demo of the software that you're building in a working state mm-hmm. to understand also the domain that you're working yeah. in, that can be really useful. Like, yeah. uh, um, I had a meeting... Um, with well, this was someone that both had a lot of domain knowledge, but was also a developer in the team. Yeah, and basically they they started telling me about this is what our software does, and he started showing me. Then you do this, uh, then you do that. Yeah. This is the process that our customers go through for for the software. Uh, that's and really nice. I, yeah. I I've worked for companies where I. Um, I never saw the user interface at all. Uh, so I wasn't even aware of what kind of product I was building, um, apart from the domain uh, terms I saw in the code, of course. Um, I could kind of figure out what, what kind of application it was, but um, well, who the customers are and how they are were using the partic- that particular project. I don't know. Yeah. I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and I've worked there for nine months. So, and and it's not that I tried to figure out um, that I not tried to figure out who the customers were, but they were not just not communicating about this because it was right. kind of secret. I I think. Okay. Well, yeah. It's <laughs> a bit weird. Um. So, um, we've been talking about uh, how we experienced that start, 
and and the things that we run into. Um, and already I mentioned at least an example of what a company can do to, yep. to help that, that onboarding process. Uh, what are things that you think would be good for a company to have? And this is, I mean, we are working as, as external developers, as, as contractors, but this goes also for people that are internal hires. Um, well, I, I think it's for internal hires even more important to give them um, uh, a good onboarding process because those are the people you will be working with for years. So it it's worth the time to invest some uh, uh, some time to to get to know each other and um, well to to make them comfortable within the company so they w uh, are able to. Uh, to find the right persons to talk to. Yeah. Uh, so I think the onboarding process you n uh, mentioned with the confluence space is a very nice thing. Um, but I also think uh, a demo from a salesperson um, is very nice to see how your customers are actually using uh, your project. Um, but I also think uh, other non Technical things are important for new hires as well because they they want to have um, some information about um, uh, uh, facilities a company will give for their home office, for example. Since most people are working hybrids uh, these days, yeah, um, most people uh, companies do have uh, things arranged for their uh, employees, but it's not always not always that clear that there is something arranged for them. Uh, you will have to figure out it yourself. And it's somewhere written in some document from for, for of sixty pages long, <laughs> uh, where also the uh, the rules are written about uh, well, you not being able to work anymore and other all other kind of boring stuff you yeah. don't want to bother people with at their first weeks at your company. Um, so yeah, I I, I think you also the human part of, of uh, onboarding is, uh, is very important, especially for developers. Yeah. So having that documented in, a, in an easy to access way, that is probably then the most easy way of doing that. Well, you could have documented or at least have the process documented. But yeah. um, I think it's important to, uh, to just talk to people uh, when they get started on your, uh, uh, in your company. Um, at my current gig, uh, people get a, an introduction of half a day uh, where they're just introduced with all kind of departments um, for, uh, and uh, um, they get a guided tour around the, the building to just see where uh, all teams are and uh, where you can find people. And I think that's a, that's a very good thing to do. Yeah. Um, also, when you are on a, in a hybrid uh, um, team or in a hybrid company or maybe a full remote company uh, people need some introduction somewhere and well they will never say I don't need this yeah yeah uh, they will always like to uh, to see in what kind of company they started working uh, yeah. right um, so so we've talked a bit about uh, some you know the hardest things that we've encountered, which basically came down to knowing where to start. Yeah, uh, we've talked a bit about what can a company do to make that easier. Yeah, um, and now let's have have a look at some more specific issues. Um, I find that 
the first couple of days or the first couple of weeks can be really hard in terms of um, my my self-confidence uh, because this is a new context. I don't know the domain. I don't yep. know the people well. Uh, that That is a very hard thing. And also, there's a lot of information coming your way in those yeah. first couple of days or weeks uh, th- that can lead quickly lead to to an information overload like your head is completely full mm-hmm. and, and you, yep. you cannot add more information yep. if you want it um, is this something that you you have experience with um well uh not really with the information overload i think um because I'm able to process a lot of information. Um, but it also depends on how this information is provided. If you give me a book to, to read uh, before I have to uh, get started, that might not be the way to, to provide me that information. I, I would like to see it in code or in uh, uh, just click around in an application. Um, so I think one thing I would like to mention here is that um, you can also ask your new hire how he wants to have his n- or she uh, wants to have his new introduction. Right. Um, and what their way of learning is and uh, figure out how to do that together. Uh, what, what, what works the best for that particular person. And it's, it might differ per person. And um, if you do it like that, um, you will have a personal approach and people will feel uh, more comfortable when they are joining a team yeah uh, i think that that def- will definitely help uh, that definitely sounds like a, a very good way to uh, get acquainted basically with the whatever new company that you're working for whether you're an external developer or an internal developer um, because uh, you know I've, I've struggled sometimes some projects i've struggled with um, uh, with um, you know feeling comfortable uh, you know having having the confidence of knowing i i can do this mm. uh, yeah. even even when i know from experience from all the past projects that i've worked on that after a couple of days or sometimes a couple of weeks uh, I, it's going to be fine and i can do whatever i do and i add value those first couple of days first couple of weeks can be a bit hard so getting a bit more personal uh, uh, introduction. Yeah, uh, that that might actually help a lot. Yeah, I like that. Okay, well, that's interesting because I I, I never experienced it like that because uh, well I'm, I'm not that uncomfortable with uh, joining a new team. Um, I, I always see it as a new learning opportunity, and I like to learn. So um, uh, that. Um, I'm always kind of excited to to get started with a new gig or with a new job. Um, and I'm mostly underestimating myself. Um, I'm not, f- well, maybe I'm not fully aware of my capabilities. Uh, and I think that's a good thing uh, for, for me. And for me, it also helps to, um, to feel more comfortable. And people are not expecting too much from you. Um, when you are not, um, well, may- maybe it's also part of your name in the in the PHP community. People know uh, yeah. you from uh, the talks you gave and, and and things, so they have 
some kind of expectation, and maybe that's not the case in in my situation mm. yet. Maybe it's also maybe it's also part of uh, uh, I don't know how uh, how the mind works for some people because I can also imagine that uh, for a junior developer uh, going into a new company uh, or even a media developer going into a new company seeing all this code and uh, a domain that's that they don't yeah. know yet yeah. it can be very intimidating. Well, uh, maybe it's good you just speak out loud to your new hire, yeah. hire that it's okay if they don't know anything. And um, for me, the stupidest questions to uh, are the questions that are not asked. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you are new, uh, if you are a new hire within a team, you're not able to know everything about uh, the company or how processes work in the company, the working process of the development team. You will all have to learn that. Um, and especially for a junior developer, just make sure that people are just comfortable to ask questions and uh, tell them it's okay if you don't know how to start your computer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe for the developers this is not really true, but uh, well, you get yeah. my point. Yeah. yeah, I understand what you mean. It is indeed uh, uh, good to... Uh, openly communicate the expectations so that people know that we don't expect, especially when you just started, we don't expect the world of you from day one. Yeah. Just take your time. And and that, uh, to be honest, that's uh, uh, there's, there's been uh, several projects, but one in particular that I'm thinking of right now where uh, that was clearly communicated from, from the first minute that, yeah. uh, that I, I got access to all the systems. Uh, they clearly communicated. Okay, we we have a very complex domain. We know that, and um, so we don't expect you to be fully productive within one week or two weeks no. because you'll need to learn this, and it's going to take some time. It takes most developers, you know, over two months or three months to really grasp what this domain is. So it's okay if it takes a while. Yeah, uh, and then. You know, you're comfortable with the fact that it's going to take a while. You're not, because there's other, there's been other projects where the domain was not that complex, where I could, you know, get my first pull request merged in the first day. Yeah. Um, and so maybe it's also uh, the, the 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 fact that I'm, I'm I sometimes struggle with my own confidence is also related to the fact that I know that I can do that because I've done that before. Like pull request done, merged first day. Yeah. Yeah, um, funny enough, my first pull request mostly is a, a README change <laughs> <laughs> because there's something wrong in the setup. Right. <laughs> uh, that is one of the things that I also encounter on a regular basis and also uh, fixing unit tests. Um, because one yeah. of the first things I do when I have a checkout and I have done the README, etc., and I've set everything up is run the tests to see if everything is okay. Yeah. Uh, and then sometimes I figure out, oh, there are some tests that are actually failing. Let let me fix that. <laughs> yeah, and then you figure out that they are actually needing some database that is not uh, not on your computer, but externally uh, externally hosted and only accessible via a, via a VPN account, but it's not available yet for you. I I wish I could say that was a joke and wasn't true, but <laughs> I've been there. I've done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so talking about the code base and, and starting with the code base, uh, can you share some 
some challenge that challenges that you encountered or maybe some uh, some tricks that you've used to to get to know the code base well the the first challenge is um well one of the stupidest uh, stupidest things i always encounter within every company i join is that accounts are not prepared right so i'm not able to get access to the code yet uh i also well mostly you need a senior developer or uh, someone uh, with higher security access to to get access to particular projects um and it always takes a lot of time um and that, that, that might be quite annoying um and when I start analyzing um, a code base, the, one of the first things I try to figure out is uh, what package manager is actually used within this project. Because that will tell me a lot of about, um, what the history is. Yeah. Is there a, a, a package.json file in the root of your project? Well, most likely Yarn is used and NPM is used for, um, or NPM is used, I have to say. Um, but if you don't find that uh, that one in the root of your project, well, maybe there's a legacy way of installing um, assets for uh, for the front end. Um, the second thing for me to do is uh, check out the composer.json because I have experience with a lot of different frameworks and I'm uh, I'm able to recognize from the composer.json how the project is actually built and what kind of components are used. Um, and not just seeing Symfony, uh, which is a framework, uh, but also seeing um, different components from that particular application uh, to figure out uh, what how this project was set up. Um, and the third thing for me to do is uh, analyze the uh, the folder uh, structure of the of the pro of the project. Um, was this uh, project set up with a framework uh, methodology in mind or did they use another approach right. um, so that, that's one of the well th those are the first steps i do yeah um i i always like uh, well i mentioned it before run the unit test but also look at the unit test because they when written well they can give you a good overview of how the code is structured and what it does um, uh, and um, I also what I what I like to do is just fire up the application. It's basically what we said earlier, getting a demo from from yep. someone from sales or or one of the other developers, but um, also clicking through it yourself, Pref preferably with if if it's like a symphony with the debug toolbar, so that you can understand a bit more about the structure or uh, uh, things like that, tools like that to be able to 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 look at you know yep. what is happening here. How is it structured? And then, well, of course, you have to learn more about the domain, but at least you have a basic idea of what the code base looks like yep. and also what quality the, the tests are and, and, uh, and things like that. Do they have uh, a code sniffer? Uh, do they have a PHP stand? Yeah. Things yeah, like that. Um, I, I started mostly at, uh, with the non uh, directory structured uh, files at the at the bottom of your project yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, before I start looking into the code and I must admit I I, I mostly skip the unit tests for some reason okay I, I've seen so many badly written unit tests <laughs> in, uh, uh, with different customers um, 
I'm not taking them into account mostly. Uh, it's nice if they are uh, if they are there at least. Uh, yeah. I've seen many projects without any tests um, or poorly written tests or just a bootstrap uh, from a certain framework because we installed the skeleton <laughs> uh, and there's a test directory there yeah. with one single unit test uh, running the app controller, for example. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but even then, that gives you a lot of information. Even if, if well, there are no tests or even if there's only the basic test or uh, it still gives sure. you a bit of information about what yeah. was this code base like. And if there's a documents folder, uh, it's also interesting to have a look at there uh, in there. Um, but unfortunately, uh, in most projects, there is, is no docs folder yeah. or there's no documentation. The documentation is written somewhere else. Um, and I always try to find out where it is. Uh, but in most situations, there is no documentation at all. Yeah. And especially within product companies where they are building a single application, uh, there's nearly any documentation at all. Right. That's a problem for new people <laughs> getting on board. Well, th to be fair, I mean, uh, there is a reason why uh, as a, if you as a company need to be compliant with all kinds of rules, that documentation is one of the main ways of ensuring compliance. Yeah. Um, uh, because if it doesn't document it, it doesn't exist. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having yeah. some documentation is definitely pro. Uh, starting with a good readme, of course, in the project, but you can go way beyond that yep. for more more information about functionality, code, architecture, uh, etc. Yeah. Um, so now we've we've talked a bit about the code base. Let's talk a bit more about the the social aspect, uh, because yeah. th what they always say is um, you have a team, you add someone, and you have a new team. Yeah. Um, so when you start a new gig and you go into a team, uh, how do you find your place in the team? How do you figure out uh, what people you're working with? Um, for me, mostly observing people during uh, the stand-ups, um, if, uh, if a team has any stand-ups, um, but also figure out the rituals and things uh, uh, the team does on a daily basis. Um, you, I think we can divide people in, in three uh, teams or groups of people um, where the first part is the, the, the people that are talking out loud during the meetings, um, uh, mostly being senior developers with a lot of experience or the most experienced developer within the team. Uh, the guy who worked here from his first start when he ever started programming at all, or maybe the, the company owner, uh, which is also joining the stand-ups for some reason. Um, then you have the second group of people that is mostly the, um, the, the quiet people with an opinion that do not share this opinion. Um, and there's a third group, uh, for me, that's the uh, the people that are not verbose or are are not talking a lot, uh, but also 
do have an opinion, but not sharing that particular opinion. Opinion, And those people are the most important people for me because they mostly know how the team works and what the uh, the balance between the team is, or between the team members is. So uh, um, I try to figure out as soon as possible who those people are and start talking to them uh, because... Um, when they feel comfortable uh, to talk to you with uh, about their experience, um, you always have some people to fall back on on things that happen when you're in conflict with a senior or yeah. with the with with may- maybe in conflict with the company owner. Um, yeah, and it might be small issues, but it's always nice to have somebody to uh, to pair with uh, within a team. And for me, that mostly the that are mostly the quiet people. I think I think uh, what you're mentioning is very good, and I think that um, companies should pay more attention to that, uh, to especially to those that are a bit more quiet. I've I've encountered too many teams where um, the those those people that always speak up, they yep. basically rule the team. Uh, while the people that are more quiet may have very good ideas, but they don't dare to speak up or it's not in their character to speak up when someone else is dominating yep. the, the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, and, well, I guess for for people that are just starting, uh, I mean, I like to uh, observe and be quiet when I just start, just to figure out first, you know, who is yep. who and... Uh, things like that, uh, but then after a while, I will uh, every once in a while speak up. Um, but I think companies should look more at their teams and and the balance between those people and make sure that the people that are quiet have the opportunity to sometimes also give their opinion, because their their opinion is probably worth quite a lot. That that's why they are there in their team. Is that if their yeah. opinion is not uh, worth to be here, and then um, maybe they should not be part of your team. Yeah. Um, and it's the team that should do it, uh, at least. And yeah. it's not the um, what I call uh, team hero uh, that will fix every bug for you until he gets a burnout um, yeah. because he did work for uh, twenty seven hours a day. Um, yeah. yeah, but that also means that um, uh, as a company, you need to pay attention to the, uh, well, call it managers or call it scrum masters or whatever, the, the people that, or maybe even tech leads or, or team leads, the people that uh, um, that can enable these people to speak up, that you, sh- you should have the, the right people in that place as well, yeah. not just... Uh, the, the managers that want to manage top-down and uh, they don't really care, no. uh, and but actual people that know people's skills. Yeah, and it's not your senior developer that should be the team lead. Um, I think uh, especially a team lead can also be a, a person with less experience uh, as a developer, but um, with more social skills because uh, some senior developers are not very good at give, uh, giving feedback to juniors or... Um, well, m- maybe have the um, uh, d- 
the habits to to grab the keyboard when pair uh, programming. Yeah. I will do this myself because it's most much faster when I do it, and you can just watch what I'm doing. Uh, that's not the way to to uh, have people learning and onboarding. Um, they they should have their own uh, opportunities to to make errors and, and uh, yeah. learn from that errors. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about, um, because we of course talk mostly about uh, from the from the standpoint of of an external developer, a contractor, a consultant. Um, um, but there's of course uh, also those people that start as an as a as an internal developer in yeah. a company. What do you think are are the differences or the resemblances of the process of starting at a new gig for for internal developers versus external hires? Well, uh, um, I think internal developers will mostly most of the time get some kind of onboarding process uh, where the external developer is just hired and uh, put into the team uh, and should just hit the ground and start running. Yeah. Um, and I think in most situations that might work, but if you really want to uh, invest uh, time on uh, having people uh, onboarded in a, in a positive way, um, you will benefit it from it. Yeah. Uh, in both situations, no matter if you're a contractor or uh, an, uh, an internal developer, it will definitely help your company uh, if you get our, uh, them a proper onboarding. And sure, those external developers will figure out a lot themselves because they are used to get uh, to, to this situation where they have to figure out everything themselves. Um, but it's okay to help them a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and from the other side, it's okay to make sure that your internal developers are able to figure out some things themselves, but also help them to, to get started if they ask for it. Yeah. And just listen to the people because everything, uh, ev everyone is different and wants to have a different onboarding. Make it personal. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I really agree with that. Um, the um, first of all, I think the the onboarding process basically should be about the same, uh, at least in what you offer as options. Yeah. And I think an external uh, developer uh, will automatically skip a couple of steps because uh, they will know how to handle a certain situation or yep. they will know how to dig into the code base or things like that. Um, but sometimes it's very useful even for an external developer to get a bit of help with that. And, you know, so basically the, the big difference between uh, the onboarding process of an internal hire versus an external hire is... Uh, that the internal hire will have some perks that the external hire won't have because, uh, well, if you're if you're on the payroll of a company, then you know there are, there are, there are usually some extras. Yeah, of um, course. Uh, because if you're an external hire, then then either your boss or yourself, if you're a freelancer, you're responsible for your own home office and your own equipment and yep. things like that. Uh, and uh, keeping those working and and in a way that you can you can work easily, and and when you're an internal hire, then usually your employer will be able to to provide you with a with a laptop and and some yeah. kind of home office setup, etc. Um, so that's that's where the difference will be. 
and most of the rest should be, uh, or you should at least offer the same things. And yeah. whether or not people use that offer, that's a different thing. Um, and then I really like the idea of having that more personal approach because sometimes when you're just starting, it feels like you're drowning, you're overwhelmed by everything, and it's very hard to... Um, to understand what's happening and how you can progress, how you can yeah. move forward, and having someone that either uh, is by your side or at least is your main contact that you can always feel comfortable asking a question yeah. that will really help. That personal touch can really help break the barrier of entry into a company. Yeah. Yeah, there, there are two things in my mind right now. and. and it, you, you were talking about uh, a personal um, approach. Um, I think one of the main things I really appreciated when I started my last gig was the handwritten postcard in my uh, in my goodie bag, which also included the badge to um, uh, to be able to open the door myself. Um, also, that's a, that, that's an interesting thing. I, I've worked for a company where I didn't get that badge for at least two weeks uh, <laughs> because uh, it has to be uh requested on a security office somewhere outside right. of the company yeah. um and i had to ask a colleague for a badge to get to the toilet and that's quite annoying <laughs> don't get people into that yeah. position yeah um uh and um the the second thing was the uh what was something i got annoyed of um was you can also make it too personal or um make it uh ask um, two direct questions to to somebody who is new in your company. For example, the question: um, How do you uh, experience your first day? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I I've never. Um, well, I, I think that's a very hard question to to answer, uh, especially when you're working for well two days at the company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. I get a lot of information. Um, yeah, I like my team members, uh, but I, I just know them two days. <laughs> um, there, well, it's hard to get into the code. Yeah, but those sales members are not able to understand that. That yeah. it's hard to get into to this code. Just don't ask uh, about that part. You can ask that after a month or uh, in a, uh, on on a, on a review session of the of of the trial period you have yeah. together with your uh, new hire. Um, yeah, please don't go there. <laughs> At yeah. least not for me. Yeah, and yeah. But I think I think uh, it's a good idea to do like a regular check-ins, not necessarily uh, constantly asking how are you doing, how are you experiencing this, but just have the opportunity uh, to be able to to give some feedback yep. or you know make sure that everything is fine and uh, and if you have any issues, then you can share them. If not directly uh, outside of those those meetings, then at least inside those meetings. Yeah, uh, that's that that is definitely something that uh, that might be useful. You're not pushing it too much, but there is always that opportunity. Yeah, um, and having I mean that I mentioned it before, having that single person that is responsible for your onboarding that you can yep. always go to and ask yep. questions. Uh, that makes it so much easier. It's it's so much easier to yep. to. Yeah, to talk to someone yeah. when you're stuck. Yeah, maybe it's a good idea to give somebody a real buddy uh, within the yeah. team uh, to to have some pairing with, or uh, well, yeah, 
this this is the person who will help you through the first yeah. uh, few first weeks. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I think, at least for me, one of the main takeaways of this whole discussion is that uh, companies maybe should put a bit more effort into the onboarding process because from our experiences, what I heard, um, those companies that did put some more effort into that onboarding process made it a lot easier to be productive a lot quicker. Um, um, and of course, also, uh, we as developers, when we start, we should ask and we should communicate and we should talk to people. That I think that's the main takeaways for me. What uh, what is for you the main and one of the main takeaways? Well, I had one addition um, which I heard about well, about a few weeks ago. Um, was a company that was always sending pre-onboarding emails to new hires. So with a welcome message. For, uh, okay, next week is your new uh, uh, is your starting day yeah. within uh, within our company. Uh, be welcome, and uh, you have a first appointment with um, this person yeah. at that to- point. And if you uh, if you approach our office, you can park your car over there. If you're going uh, with the uh, public transport, you should just c- come from there and uh, take that bus from the from yeah. the train station. And that really helps to to get people um, more happy about um, the first day yeah. Um, yeah so i find i found it a really interesting thing um and for me um one of the most important things is the personal approach right ask people how um they will uh, what their way of learning is and what their best what the best way is uh, to give them their introduction right because it's their introduction not yours, not a basic thing that you can just uh, take out the, uh, the closet and uh, th- this is the playbook we will do together. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much uh, uh, for, for joining me in this podcast. You're welcome. Um, thank you for listening also to this podcast. Uh, as I mentioned before, we have ingewikkeld.dev slash sessions where you can always find the overview of the current and upcoming sessions. Uh, We have Patreon, where you can support us, patreon.com slash ingewikkeld. If you pay three euros or more, you get access to our full back catalog of the recordings of the sessions uh, that we've done so far. And of course, there's the podcast. If you're listening to this right now as a podcast, you already know about it. But if you are not subscribed yet, then please subscribe. And if you are checking this out on on Patreon or on our YouTube, uh, then feel free to also check your uh, favorite podcast app for the Ingewikkeld Sessions podcast. And then you can subscribe there and get the new podcast directly into your uh, podcasting app uh, when we publish it. So thank you very much and we'll see you next month. Bye. That's it for this month. Thanks for listening. If you like what we're doing, please share our links on social media. Also, please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app and follow us on YouTube. And you can also support us financially on patreon.com slash ingewikkeld. See you next month.